You're listening to the Grace Auburn Church Podcast. In this week's sermon, Pastor Matt Dean teaches from 1 Thessalonians chapter 3 and chapter 4. Due to some technical difficulties in this, our first night at 720 East Glen Avenue, the recording of his sermon picks up eight minutes into the sermon. We hope you enjoy. Says, if I continue to remember before our God and Father your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. And Paul then goes on to say, I've heard how you turn from the idols of your day to serve the one and true living God. The, the environment was so hostile that you can read in chapter 2 that they had to leave, in fact, this church under the cover of night because it was such a hostile environment to follow Jesus within. And you can read the long account in Acts chapter 15, 16, and 17 of what happened to Paul and these other pastors as they went to plant this church. But there was something that happened in their hearts, and when Paul and Timothy began to invest in this community, they fell deeply in love with the people of this community. They, they not only wanted to give them the, the message of Jesus, but they wanted to share their very lives as well. They wanted to be a part of this loving, fresh, raw community that was following Jesus. And then Timothy is sent, and he, he brings back this report that they're loving one another and that they're faithful. And Paul says, but all the more I want you to love one another more and more and more. Let your love increase because Jesus said this, the world will know you are mine by how you what? How you love one another. And Paul was emphatic, please continue for your love for one another to grow. And it's that same message for you and for me tonight. Would, would our love for one another be genuine and authentic and real so that people don't come into a building and leave as unknown and unloved, but they come into a community that loves Jesus and wants to speak the goodness of Jesus into your life and into my life. And then last week we had to address some of the struggles that this church was facing, namely immorality and idleness and laziness. That's right, the church. People in the church were struggling with purity. They were struggling with work ethic. They were struggling with this idea of how do I follow Jesus and be faithful at home and faithful to my job? And Paul had to bring correction to that group of people. But tonight we're picking up, and the timing is perfect of this. He knew where we would be tonight. We're going to pick up in chapter 4, verse 13. We're picking up in chapter 4, verse 13, and here's what's happened. The environment of following Jesus was so hostile that there were people in this church who had lost their lives for the sake of the gospel. And there were other people who either due to illness or age, had lost their lives after placing their faith in Jesus Christ. And these dear new converts to Christianity were wrestling with the thought of, what do I do now that I've placed my faith in Jesus to give me eternal life? But my mother died. My father died. Our, our friend lost his life for the gospel. So how do we reconcile faith and life? And how do we reconcile death with faith in Jesus? And they were struggling with this, and they needed some encouragement. So let's pick up in chapter 4, verse 13. Brothers, we do not want you to be ignorant about those who fall asleep, that, that meaning death, to those who die, or to grieve like the rest of men who have no hope. Verse 14, we believe that Jesus died and rose again, and so we believe that God will bring Jesus, with Jesus, those who have fallen asleep. He's saying, we believe that Jesus died 
and rose again from the grave. Therefore, we believe that Jesus will bring those who have died on earth back with him. Verse 15, according to the Lord's own word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, we will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. Paul is assuring them, reassuring them, that whether you're alive when he returns or whether you've died when he returns, no one gets left behind. Now, in Christianity, in scholarship Christianity, there are multiple views on how and when Jesus will come back. And here's the thing. It doesn't matter ultimately what you think about the timing of when Jesus comes back. More importantly, it's important that you embrace he is coming back. And so the, whether it's before the tribulation or after, what, whatever, will the church suffer or not, don't get sidetracked and distracted. Jesus is coming back, and when he comes back, it will be undeniable and unmistakable, and he will be faithful to his people. And if it happens in your lifetime, he will be faithful to you, period. Don't get lost in academia. He's coming back. He's the king of glory. He will return for you, whether you have lost your life or your life has ended on this earth. He will come back for you, and he will come back for all of us who have gone before, and we will rise again in new life, period. It's going to happen. And Paul is putting on his pastor's heart for these people, saying, I'm telling you the truth. Whether you've died or whether you're alive, he will come back for his people that he dearly loves. He will come back for the people that he has given his life for. It says, verse 16, For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. And after that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds. Hello. We will be caught up together with them in the clouds. I can't wait. To meet the Lord in the air. Now look, if you believe he rose from the grave, if the stone was rolled away and the, the Jesus, he bodily resurrected from the dead, this is no problem. This is not, this is not a faith leap for you. If you believe in the resurrection, then bring on meeting the Lord in clouds, in the air. What a wonderful, surreal, amazing, and frightening moment that will be for all of us. But look at the next words. And so, we will be with the Lord forever. And, and I don't want you to miss that tonight. And so, we will be with the Lord forever. And I just, I think it's really easy to walk into a new building that smells great, by the way, like paint and carpet. It would be great to get settled into a career. It'd be great to get settled into your life's goals. It'd be great to settle into marriage and family. It'd be great to settle into retirement. It'd be great to enjoy all that the earth has to enjoy. It would be tragic if we forget the point. The point is to know Jesus, to know him, to love him, and to make him known. And there's no greater pleasure, no higher honor than knowing and loving Jesus in a community that knows and loves Jesus, that's committed to making people know and love Jesus and making him known. So don't forget the point. This is great. I'm glad we're all relatively content 
to live here in Auburn, Alabama, but this is not our home. And I just want to encourage you with those nine words. And so we will be with the Lord forever, forever. I, I want you to take a, a sticky note, a post-it note, and wherever you just have idle time, I want you to write that down and see how that could change your life. And if you're standing at the dishwasher, just remember, and so we will be with the Lord forever. If you're in education on summer break and you're like, man, I'm loving the teacher's life, just, just, put, just put on your, on your Yeti by the pool <laughs> as you relax this summer. And so we will be with the Lord forever. If you're running a restaurant and you're standing over the dishwasher, just, and so we will be with the Lord forever. If you're lonely, if you're struggling, if you just keep doing what you don't want to do, and so you will be with the Lord forever. And nothing escapes you except that which is common to man, and God is faithful, and he will provide a way out. He's good to you. I don't know where you are tonight, and I don't need to know where you are. This is what I do want you to know. I want you to be able to say with your heart and believe it in your mind, you will be with the Lord forever. Because these early Christians, they were struggling with that thought. I just want to give that to you tonight. You will be, by grace through faith, with the Lord forever. If you're not a Christian and you're wondering what this is about, I'm just going to say this. You will want to be with the Lord forever. There's no greater pleasure. There's no greater privilege than for you to know Jesus and enjoy him forever. That's what you were made for. And there's no sin or scandal or shame in your life that can't be redeemed by the powerful, amazing work of Jesus Christ. So don't hold back tonight, but fling yourself at the foot of the cross and give your life to Jesus because he has given his life for you. Verse 18, therefore, encourage each other with these words. This early church needed encouragement, and my guess is you need encouragement just like I need encouragement, and you're going to see tonight that this is a clear and repeated word of advice from a pastor that loved these people. Encourage one another with these words. Now it's chapter 5. Now, brothers, about times and dates we do not need to write to you, for you know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. And while people are saying peace and safety, destruction will come on them suddenly as labor pains on a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. But you, brothers, are not in darkness so that this day should surprise you like a thief. You are all sons of the light and sons of the day. We do not belong to the night or to the darkness. Now, listen, he's talked about the certainty of eternity with these people. And now he is speaking to their identity as children of God. He's addressed the certainty of their eternity with or without Jesus. And now he is saying to this group of new Christians, you do not belong to the night. You do not belong to the darkness. You are sons of light, sons of the day. It says in verse 6, So then let us not be like others who are asleep, but let us be alert and self-controlled. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk, get drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be self-controlled, putting on faith and love as a breastplate and the hope of salvation as a helmet. For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. He died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we may live together with him. 
This weekend, April and I had the privilege and the unique opportunity to go away to celebrate our 14th, 15th, 16th, and 17th anniversary. <laughs> and because we've been living in Asia without child care, uh, my parents lovingly at the right time came down this weekend to watch all of our children so that April and I could go away and just thank God for his faithfulness to our family and to bring us back here to America and in this community that we so love and are privileged to be a part of. And uh, last night as we sat down uh, for dinner, um, y- you can imagine the scene, right? You, you, you never get to do this. And so when you, when you do get the privilege of sitting down with a good friend or your best friend or your spouse, you just want it to be right, you know? You, you want that moment to be right and kind of undistracted. And, and I had picked a great restaurant, I thought. I had picked a good location, I thought. And, and we ordered food, and then another group of people came right here. And it was the kind of restaurant that the tables are so close together, you just can't ignore what other people are saying. And here's the thing. Um, We knew Jesus. And they didn't. Now here's the hard part. We may live together with him. He died for us. So whether we're awake or asleep, that we may live together with him. Other places in Scripture that he died for us so that we may no longer live, but Christ lives in us. And wherever you go, you take the presence of God with you. And when sin and sorrow and sadness is beside you, you're the presence of God beside him. And we listened to this daughter who was convinced in her own brokenness, plead with her parents to understand why she has chosen the lifestyle she's chosen. And we watched a mom and a dad, helpless, unable to turn the tide of sin in her life. And we listened to this young woman who was convinced in the deception of her mind that what she was doing was going to lead to life. And we watched these parents crushed under the weight of her disclosure. And we're sitting there trying to eat our chips and salsa, looking at each other, and, and, and this is happening beside us and it grieves our hearts why because jesus lives in us and he grieves for the lost and broken and whether we're alive or asleep he died for us that we may live together with him i want you to see that there are no real exceptions to the presence of god in your life that wherever you go you have christ in you the hope of glory with you and when you see sickness and sadness and sorrow and sin It should absolutely break your heart. It should absolutely break your heart because you've been given hope and life in Jesus. And in this little church, in this little church, I want you to know you have words of hope and encouragement and life for people. And if you're in proximity to brokenness, at a minimum, would you pray for them? And the reason why I'm sharing this with you is because I want you to know that as you walk in faith, with Jesus, you will see the mission that he has for you. The good works that he has prepared for you are literally all around you. The night before, April and I were at a different restaurant. I thought would be a great restaurant. It, in fact, was a great restaurant. But immediately behind us were victims of human trafficking, sucked into it. Immediately behind us three feet behind me 
And April had vantage of all that was happening behind the table, and it was horrible. And I'm just telling you, even on an anniversary getaway, there's just no getting away from darkness and life and Jesus. You just can't escape the darkness and brokenness of this world, but you also can't deny the goodness of Jesus in you. I just want you to remember that God has placed within you words of hope and life because he's placed within you Jesus Christ. He says, verse 11, Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up, just as in fact you are doing. That's the second time he says, Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up in Jesus Christ. Now, here's what I want you to hear tonight. If you have your Bibles open, just look to the next letter. It's 2 Thessalonians. It's the same group of people, right? It's the same group of people. It's just a different letter. And I just want to skip ahead a little bit for us to end tonight on because this is where it's going to meet our current reality. Verse 11 of 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. With this in mind, we constantly pray for you that our God may count you worthy of his calling, that by his power he may fulfill every good purpose of yours and every act prompted by your faith. We pray this so that the name of our Lord Jesus may be glorified in you and you in him according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. I I want you to pay attention to verse 11 real quickly tonight. In your life, you have resolve for good. And in your life, there are acts of faith that God prompts you to do, all of you. Here's the amazing thing. God will fulfill that. It's kind of one of those statements like, and so we will be with the Lord. I just want you to think about this for a moment, not as a church, just as an individual for a moment. Your resolve for good, your quiet, unknown, unnoticed acts of faith in the name of Jesus. Every little endeavor to bless someone and to to reach someone in the name of Jesus. What it says in the word is that God would count you worthy of his calling, but that by his power, he may fulfill your resolve for good. And I want you to consider tonight, maybe you've grown apathetic to the calling he has placed on your life and to the people he has placed around your life because you have become disheartened. And I just want to remind you, he will fulfill your resolve for good. So tonight, please resolve for good. If you haven't seen your acts of faith be fulfilled, just remember, he will strengthen and fulfill your acts for good. And I'm saying that to us as a church family tonight, because as we continue to gather together as people, I want every person in the room, young and old alike, to know in their mind, here is my resolve for good. Here are my acts of faith. Here is my labor prompted by love. And here is your great promise to fulfill and strengthen my feeble efforts. Here's what I want to see happen in this city. Here's what I want to see happen on this campus. Here's what I want the nations that are represented in this town to know of Jesus. Here is my resolve, but would you fulfill and strengthen that? Would you pray that for your life, and would you pray that for the life of this church? That he would fulfill and strengthen our collective resolve for good. And here's why. We pray this so that the name of our Lord Jesus may be glorified in you and you in him according to the grace of our God 
in the Lord Jesus Christ. Will you pray with me? We're so glad you listened to the Grace Auburn Church Podcast. If you'd like more information about ways you can partner with the mission of Grace Auburn Church, visit our website, graceauburn.church. Thank you.